0: Hola, and welcome to the is Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Every week, we hop on a roller coaster, share laughter and tears on topics we might be ashamed to discuss. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamili Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in again to Beauty is Me podcast. I have another amazing guest in the lineup for our episode today. So Adam H. Cole, Juris Doctor, is a couples financial counselor. He helps couples who love each other make sure that the money conversation doesn't get in the way, leading to more peace Love and cash. (laughs) Adam draws on over a decade of experience as a certified mediator and a former tax attorney and financial advisor. He received his law degree from Duke and a master's in tax law from NYU. Adam's work is informed by perspectives of equity and social justice. He's an experienced community organizer, as well as a lifelong musician. You can find his personal finance parodies on YouTube. And Adam is also going to give us more information on what else you can find him. So, Adam, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: I'm so excited that you're here and, you know... I hope you're staying safe with everything going on and social distancing and everything. So I'm, I'm happy that you're here. So that tells me that you're healthy, which is a good thing, right? <laughs> yes. So Adam, can you tell us your story on how you decided to combine your experience as a lawyer and a mediator into helping couples with their financial journey?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think it really started when I had my first kind of adult job doing financial advising work at Northwestern Mutual and I just saw how much value there was to bring to families with the right uh, financial education and knowledge Um, and there at Northwestern Mutual it was also involved with investments and insurance like life insurance and things like that you know I just saw how much of a gap there was between what people had and what they needed as far as either tools or education or investments, things like that. Um, and I think that really planted a powerful seed. And, and then I went off to law school and uh, specialized in tax law, as you mentioned. And uh, I was working in that field while I was out in California, I'm originally from the East Coast. And uh, it was just a really transformative time for me. A lot of different things happened. I was in a marriage that ended. Uh, I My worldviews and ideals were shifting a lot. I became much more involved in uh, advocacy work. And, you know, I was working for a big accounting firm doing tax law stuff. And I realized, okay, I want to shift to something more, uh, aligned with my heart. And that took me to a nonprofit working on housing and homelessness related issues. And then, um, after that, like kind of along the whole time I had been doing a lot of personal development work and started doing some coaching on a volunteer basis. Notice I had a real knack for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when it came time for me to figure out what I wanted to do next, I decided to start my own business and finally offer my coaching services for money. And then along the way of that path, I realized, you know what, there's this huge issue at the intersection of relationships and money. And it's something that is one of the top causes of relationship fights, a top cause of divorce. Oh yeah. And there's very few people working on it, whether that's writing, or creating content, or coaching, or any of that. Uh, And my background as an advisor, as a tax attorney, as someone who grew up loving financial stuff, who studied economics, as well as being a certified mediator, uh, and a community organizer, I just said, you know what? I've got a unique set of skills that I can bring together to help people uh, not only deal with just one, either the finance or the relationship side, but really deal with both simultaneously.
0: Yeah, I can tell you had a love for finances because I was watching your YouTube channel and you talked about how you used to balance your parents' checkbook at such an early age. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. It's like you know what your niche and your passion is if like you're able to do certain things and then you know you're able to branch that off into your career. So that was that was so super cute and funny. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your work in community organization.
1: Yeah, um, so when I moved out to California, like I said, it was a fascinating time for me, and a lot of things were moving and shifting inside of me, and, uh, you know, I started to just realize that the world was a much bigger, more diverse place than I really saw just growing up as a upper-middle-class white Jewish person in a really, like, a comfortable suburb, and, you know, I ended up, when I went to California, I found uh, animal rights community and got really involved there and started just doing a lot of different work and you know, quickly realized that I had a knack for the human and personal side of organizing. And so was really running a lot of the community development work for the group I was a part of. And then there came a point where uh, there were some conflicts going on in the community and the network and I just saw they were being handled terribly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, you know what? I have a knack for staying calm and helping people uh, like open up. So I'm gonna take over this conflict resolution thing. I, to be honest, had no real idea what I was doing, but I built a team (laughs) globally, like people from around the country. Uh, We started handling things and, you know, we did some things well, some things poorly, but we learned a lot along the way. And that really inspired me later. To go and i said you know let me get some actual training so that's when i got certified in mediation and that's that's what really had me have the confidence to uh open up the coaching business and work with couples but i mean i've done all different kinds of advocacy been at all different kinds of protests or you know i've done everything from protests to leafleting to uh meeting with elected officials to you know making phone calls and registering voters and feeding people who are hungry and, you know, I mean, I've done a whole wide swath of things and sometimes just as a volunteer, sometimes as an organizer. uh, But really it's, I mean, everything for me is focused around uh, creating a more equitable world and how uh, even as a person with privilege, how I can make a difference uh, by showing up rather than just by kind of going away.
0: Oh, I love that. And I, I think I will speak for all people and women of color um, and we thank you for that because, um, our voice is just tired of telling people like, you know, we're all uh, one race. It's the human race, you know, like, let's support each other. Let's love upon one another. And it's got, it gets exhausting. It gets exhausting for us people of color and having to continue to have that conversation. So when a person of privilege, Um, is able to have that conversation, it is poignant and it's important. And I thank you for um, all of us because that's an important conversation to have. So thank you (laughs) for the work that you are doing in that. And and we really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, I'm grateful to a lot of the people who, friends of mine or people whose stuff I've watched or read or followed to learn how to be a better citizen of the world. Um, And definitely a lot of great, Women and women of color and people of color who've taught me a lot about that. And that was kind of what it was the, the life that they experienced. I mean, it's not something I normally talk about on podcasts, but <laughs> like a big deal for me was when I started getting into in hip hop and uh, listened to Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid Mad City album. Yeah. You know, there, there's some lyrics on there about there, growing up and packing the van with uh, guns and driving around. And I just remember this moment of being like, that's that's so not how I grew up and that's how people grow up like it almost finally like dawned on me Mm -hmm. and you know of course there's a continuum you know not every neighborhood or every person of color grows up in a neighborhood like that or anything it's just that it it was I realized there was this whole other world that I didn't personally experience Mm -hmm. and it really ratcheted up my curiosity uh to learn about other people. And I mean, there's no doubt, like in the world of finance, I mean, there's so much that, like, as financial coaches, I think we need to be responsible to understand. For example, like the history of redlining, which yes. made it impossible for Black people to get mortgages in the US, that women. And still, and still,
0: uh, and still a, a bit, it's still impossible, you know, and you see the difference in the mortgage rates and all of that stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> it's still impossible. Yeah. Yeah,
1: women and people of color getting, with all else equal, higher. Mm -hmm. Right, like um, interest rates, and uh, that women couldn't get credit cards without a cosigner of like a husband or a father. Right, that wasn't the law of the land until 1974. Um, You know, I was just talking about this in a program that I teach for other financial coaches how to be more effective with couples, and uh, we had a unit on bias and stereotypes, and it was amazing. I think it was. 1926 that uh, Native Indigenous Americans got the right to vote. Yeah. Um, So these are things that are happening in the last, you know, 100 years, a lot of them in the last 50 years that uh, are operating at a systematic level. These were things that were legally done by the U.S. government. We're not just talking about like individual racism, like. Right. This was making a nasty remark to someone on the street. We're talking about these things that are operating at this higher level and really Disadvantaging different communities and I think Really in any kind of people oriented profession to educate yourself And this is of course what I try to do so that at the very least I can be empathetic and responsible for the way that I speak And not make things any more difficult for people because money and relationships a tough enough conversation already
0: (laughs) Absolutely and we're gonna get into that so I know you had an episode on Women who make more money than their spouse and it it was it was an interesting episode i didn't get to finish it all um but i think it's kind of like the new trend if you see there there are a lot of more women um working or being the provider or the head of household um and it's very different from what it was before where the men were the providers the breadwinners and women stayed home and so have you seen um and I know the answer to this, but they don't know, but have you seen, um, issues with couples with regards to this? And so as you come in as a mediator and talking about financial, um, literacy and coaching, et cetera, um, how do, how do couples then walk away feeling, um, empowered and maybe even equal to?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, right. Like kudos to all the people who are out there earning money and the female breadwinners. I mean, Kudos to you because it's not an easy thing to do. And um, I've heard stories of women who are basically, even if it's at a subconscious level, kind of keep themselves down and their earnings down because they don't want to like intimidate or emasculate a male partner. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously that's not uh, a fit for the world we ideally would like where everyone is free to be fully self expressed and like mm-hmm. the most beautiful effervescent version of themselves right uh so yeah i mean it definitely creates a challenge i mean i read a study to my knowledge the only one ever done on breadwinning women and heterosexual relationships and it found that both the men and the women often had issues with it so the men felt a certain way because you know we're trained by society that we're supposed to be the main breadwinner uh and the women actually there was a lot of resentment from them and uh, you know I can't say this for a fact, I don't think the study got this granular, but it was almost as if to me, like all else equal, some of these men and women would rather the household income be lower, but the man make more. Like that would be, they'd rather have like, you know, 200,000 of household income and it's like 120 from the man and 80 from the woman, rather than like the man makes 100, but the woman makes 120. Now we make 20,000 more, but there's these weird social dynamics. Yeah. and. the thing is, I think it's clear to all of us that this idea that the man should be earning more money, uh, it's certainly a construct. I mean, money itself is a construct. It's something we made up to be representative of like value or something, and then we exchange it for goods. Like, it's paper right. that ultimately is not worth anything. Um, so it's all a construct. And the reason I say that is not, uh, you know, to sound like some uh, super progressive leftist activist, even (laughs) though I am, uh, it's like because if something's a construct, it also means that you have some power and freedom to explore and undo some of that, like packaging that you've been put in for your whole life, you know, to step outside of that box. Um, And honestly, the best thing that I recommend for couples is to just, if you're in this position if you were more than your husband just admit it to yourself and if you know be able to have a conversation about that like and here's the thing it's not necessarily simple because as human beings including as men you know I'd be like oh no it's no big deal and i'm not trying to say make a bigger deal out of it than it is mm-hmm. but the first step is always acknowledgement and awareness of these things and for both the the men and the women
0: both for both men and women both acknowledging it
1: yeah because here's the thing um like i mentioned that study the women had resentment too right yeah it's not it that it goes both ways right like you think about it um and something that might be more accessible is like let's say uh woman, like, the oh, I want a man to be more sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. That's something you might hear a woman say. Um, okay, fine. So you need two things for that to work in a relationship. You need the man to have uh, <laughs> grown in a way that allows him to be more sensitive. Right. But you also need the woman to be able to hold space for that and allow for that. Right. right? And not like, emasculate him.
0: I'm sorry, go and ahead. And not emasculate him for being sensitive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Because women just the same have been taught even if they disagree with this, right? yep. they've been socialized. Oh, you should have a manly, stoic man who shows no emotion. That's mm-hmm. the model. It may have been how your father was. It's how, you know, the people on TV are and the Harrison Ford's and, the, you know. Right. Um, and so in order for that to really feel like for that to really merge, you need both sides. Mm-hmm. right? And it's the same thing with uh, gender roles around finances or taking care of the home or taking care of the kids. Um, you know, I think that, and again, I'm not going to say that if you don't have this conversation, your marriage is going to fall apart. You're going to fight about money. But really my whole perspective is that these things are opportunities, Mm -hmm. right? Opportunities to get to know yourself better, to know your partner better, to strengthen your communication, to be more vulnerable with each other and to talk about these things. So if you can sit down and have that conversation with your partner about this, Right. And he can open up about how it feels for him to be making less and the messages he's got like embarrassment and shame are like very common and expected to be there. I mean, I've experienced it myself. And so it's if you can talk about that, if you can hear your partner with their embarrassment or shame Mm -hmm. or if you can hear them with their resentment, depending on which gender you are, where you're at in the situation, it's a beautiful thing, you know, because that like shoot, you know, the society we live in has us carry around enough shame for a hundred lifetimes. Yeah, shame is big. About, about everything from yeah. our income to our bodies yes. to where we live to how we live to yes. our sex life. Yeah. Everything, <laughs>
0: everything. <laughs> if there's
1: Yeah, if there's anything we can do to open up space and, and let some of that go, this I think a beautiful thing. And I mean, you know, that's what my work's about. Because clients come to me. Sometimes they climb to me. Climb. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> they come to me in like desperation emergency territory like we I don't know what we're going to do anymore we're going to get divorced if we can't handle this mm-hmm. but sometimes they come to me like yeah we're just afraid to talk about it or we feel super overwhelmed about our finances and we don't know where to begin and can you help us right um and that's really my job is to hold space for them to not only Get on top of the financial piece, but also to grow as a couple and as individuals through the process.
0: So now, what would you... So if a couple comes to you and just like... Not even that the woman makes more money than the spouse, but um, they have separate finances. So like, I'm handling this bill, you're handling this bill, this is my savings account, this is your savings account, but nothing is really joined between them. Mm -hmm. Um, But you also then see kind of like resentment as well, because it's like, I'm um, I, one partner might want joint financial to kind of build and, and think about, um, building equity, purchasing a home, um, you know, buying stocks, et cetera, or even, uh, pouring money into their retirement account. Um, I'm sure you've seen couples that come to you and present that way. Um, what would you recommend to them, especially in, for their marriage?
1: Yeah. Um, I really appreciate this question and, you know, felt like something you've thought about or maybe even like seen or experienced because you really described it in a way that- in a granular in heart, way, yeah. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. The, this is one of the situations is very common but difficult. And the key is to understand Not how are their finances as far as like joint or separate, Mm -hmm. but why are they the way that they are, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and how does each person feel about it because there are ways to keep your finances separate and make it work. Uh, the law I mean, a contract is as creative as the drafter, you know, you can rig it to say any sorts of different things you want, um. The I don't mean rig it like unfair. I yeah, no, of course. It, like draft it to say anything you want. And um, so there's all kinds of clever ways to do the tactical part of the finances. But the question's really why are your finances set up the way they are? And mm-hmm. how do you feel about it? Because so the why um, is
0: very important. Number one.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, listen, some people feel great and best about having their finances completely separate for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But most of us, we, again, because of what we saw growing up, how we were socialized, we have certain meaning that we attach to a certain financial arrangement, right? So it's like, oh, you know, if he doesn't want to share all of his money with me, maybe he doesn't trust me. Or maybe he thinks we're going to get a divorce. Or is he cheating on me? Right. Like who knows? Where <laughs> right. The where the thought go, process is. I'm sorry.
0: I said, who knows what that thought process is? Because it might be different for everyone. And it also might be um, where I, I've I've seen or heard that, you know, perhaps one of the partners or spouses, you um, has experienced poverty and what it's like to not have a dollar or $5 or whatever it is, because either they've lost an income or something has happened. So for them, it's like, I need to save for me because this is what I've experienced or, right. or um fear as well as being with um, someone who hasn't supported you or hasn't been as your equal. So you're just like, well, shit, I'm gonna do this by myself because I haven't received that <laughs> support either. Right. Yeah.
1: Right, exactly, and so you know what we would talk about, uh, or what I would, you know, whether I'm coaching them or taking so a look at my content or my courses or whatever, it'd be like to um, talk about that fear with your partner, yeah, right? like the fear that you're going to get left hung out to dry mm-hmm. because it maybe it's happened to you before, or you've seen it happen to people around you before, right? Or whatever the case may be, and I'm not saying that you have to merge accounts, right? I, I I'm not a prescriptive type typically as a coach, mm-hmm. as in like, I, my goal is to give the couple the tools and skills to be able to make these decisions for themselves because life changes, circumstances change. Mm-hmm. I want you to be able to deal with this ongoingly, right? right? Maybe i have joint accounts today, but maybe in five years, separate accounts makes more sense for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know your life. You're the expert in your life, mm-hmm. right? You are that's so i guide you and facilitate you along the kinds of questions to ask the kinds of conversations to be having um and help you pull out kind of the effect it's having on you or your partner and create a healthy environment to have those dialogues but yeah and i mean something i've seen a lot with my clients is um especially with female clients i mean a lot of them have been in re- uh, financially abusive relationships in the past and uh in situations of domestic violence, um, there is a co-occurrence of financial abuse yes. that's very high. Yeah. Sometimes I've seen it's like 99% or otherwise in the 90s. So mm-hmm. uh, you have, you know, I mean, the people are coming to me and committed partnerships now, but they're bringing that past. Oh, the baggage comes.
0: Yeah the baggage just it's there it's the suitcase so we're traveling right with them <laughs> right yeah. right
1: and so in order for there to be the trust and intimacy that they ideally want um they need to feel safe to open up their partner needs to listen to what they have to say and hear them and get those fears get those anxieties and be able to you know first empathize and then over time both sides taking responsibility for building the trust to get to the place they'd like to be, but you know, so may, that may or may, again, that may or may not mean you merge accounts today. Maybe it takes a little bit of time for Go you to merge accounts. That's, that's the whole point is like, there's no one way to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's enough utilities and technology out there that you can live with someone and split bills and, you know, keep things fair from that perspective without necessarily having merged accounts. Um, but again, I always look at why if you're not merging out of fear, Or if you are merging out of fear, right? Some people merge because they're like desperate or that's how I'm going to keep the person. They don't even know there's like (laughs) codependency happening, right? So you also don't want to do that necessarily, Mm -hmm. right? Ideally is to have it all above board, have a healthy conversation and see what comes out best based on your own unique life circumstances.
0: So let's talk about this pandemic that we're in. And the reality is that two, one, I read an article that the divorce rate is high. Like they were talking about in New York City, this big law firm. Um, they've seen a 50% increase in phone calls of couples wanting to file for divorce. Um, so I guess it's two questions. The the number one is why, and I, and I, I know I would know the answer, which is like the fear for finances, but also two, um, the second part of the question is, um, what advice or advices you would have for couples where, um, someone has lost their job during this time.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I have anecdotally heard that, too, that divorces and divorce filings are up. Uh, I mean, of course, I can't say with certainty as to why it is, but I would imagine just a lot. There's so much stress right now. <laughs> yeah. anxieties on um, higher alert. Yeah, there's a lot of people losing income or jobs altogether. Uh, people are in the house all day and, you know, some Fractures that may have been there before are now really exposed. Right. It's like, I don't know model. if I
0: really like you now that I have to be with you 24 7. Right,
1: right. <laughs> right. The fractures became fissures, became holes, became pieces. Yeah. Uh, so I would suspect that definitely has something to do with it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because right now it feels like you can't really avoid that person that you're living with. Right. um And then, I mean, as far as what couples would do, I mean, of course, this is going to be unique to your particular situation, but. Um, your number one priorities, right, are food, shelter, and healthcare. So I, the client, so I'm working with right now, uh, we're basically creating pandemic spending plans Oh, and just like going through what are your absolute minimum necessities, mm-hmm. rent, food, health insurance, utilities, uh, and anything else that might be an absolute necessity for you. And, um, to the extent that it's, a reasonable request. You can even reach out to the your landlords or other places, organizations you're paying, and see if there are any options. What they're, again? This is depending on your situation. I wouldn't recommend like take. Some places are offering. Oh, you don't have to pay this bill for like a few months, unless you know you can kind of get forbearance on it, and that's great that they're offering it, but.
0: They're keeping the you interest be- rates, though. And for some of those, they're keeping the interest rate because I got an email for my car and they were like, yeah, you can push it off for three months, but the interest rate will still accumulate. I'm like, no, I'm going to keep paying my car. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. Exactly.
1: This exactly. Crazy. So, you know, if you can afford to keep paying in general, it's a good idea. Uh, but I, for me in this time, I think having uh, cash and not necessarily having it in like in paper in person, but yeah having access to money, to mm-hmm. liquidity, like something you can get pretty quickly, like within a week, whether it's in a savings account or something like that, yeah. um, that is really valuable because you know I think our first priority, uh, especially if you're in a committed relationship, you have a family is to ward off the uh, disaster scenarios. Mm-hmm. And so having some money accumulated for an emergency fund is the best thing for that. And, you know, then from there, like I said, keeping the budget as low as possible. I mean, this is a great time to readjust your priorities because you're not going out and partying or on vacations. Uh, So, you know, you can kind of get down to the bare bones in your spending plan. And then as things improve, hopefully, then you can start to really look at, well, what was really essential? that
0: Right, right. I think the reality is going to hit. Like, did I have to do my nails every two weeks or did we have to go to a restaurant all these times during the month or et cetera? You're absolutely right.
1: Right. And, you know, so just to be thoughtful about it, right? Like, uh, make sure you're keeping money on hand, cash on hand for emergencies. And then beyond that, try and limit your expenses where possible Mm -hmm. and See what you can do to keep sustain or even increase your income, uh, however possible. And, you know, of course, most importantly, stay safe. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you're on top of your finances and you know where you're at, you know, it'll help you be able to make certain informed decisions. Like there are a lot of families now who may never have spent the extra money on grocery delivery, but they're wanting to do that now yeah. to avoid crowds in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, this is like really maybe the perfect time to finally sit down and look at where you're at financially, become more aware, have those conversations with your significant other, figure out what your priorities and your values are for now dealing with this pandemic, but even beyond that. Right. Um, And it's just, there couldn't be a better time.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's a difficult time as well, you know, so I'm just, you know, shedding love and light to all of those going through it because it's, it's affected so many of us in our families, friends, etc. Just every time I hear someone telling me, you know, I, I got laid off or I lost my job or my income has stopped, you know, it, it's hard, but I think, um, what you provided was important. And from the beginning, building that, um, financial safety net, like just a, a bit of a savings, because especially I think about millennials, you're, you're, you're blowing your money off some of them or um, even Gen X or something, just thinking, well, I have a steady income. I have my paycheck comes every two weeks, so I'm going to go do this. Um, But I think this also um, put things into perspective for people to hear, oh, wait, I should have saved. I should have some savings. I should be doing um, certain things with my finances. So um, you've provided like really great knowledge nuggets when it comes to that. And just overall, in hearing you say, in summary, like, vulnerable having conversations talk about the fear talk about the why right um and saving and really having honest conversations
1: yeah absolutely Uh, you hit it on the head
0: yeah so adam where can people find you um and i'm hoping that you post something on pandemic uh budgeting, et cetera. Because I think that's just so um, important right now. And I think a lot of people will just jump onto your YouTube page to kind of hear um, what else they can do. So where can people find you?
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, thanks for that. I mean, I'm actually working on putting together a program that I'm probably going to, I don't know when this is going to air this episode, but uh, probably sometime the first half of April, I'm going to have an online course, a workshop for couples to start getting on the same page and get ahead on the financial coordination and planning stuff, uh, especially during this pandemic time. So look out for that. And um, the, my website is ahkcoaching.com. So I like to say A is in Aardvark, H is in hippopotamus, K is in kangaroo, coaching.com. And on there, you'll see a lot of content, but also uh, I have a free guide to how to start the money conversation with your man without it getting too crazy oh love that uh, so check that out um, and yeah I also have a podcast about everything related to relationships and money called the equal partners podcast yes um, so
0: support support the know, podcast guys support the podcast <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, thank you yeah you know I don't want to overwhelm you with too many options there uh, no but, but I think this is an I important do have conversation. Oh yes,
0: I said. But this is an important conversation. This is what people don't like talking about. No, money is just so (laughs) people run from it. Yeah,
1: exactly. And uh, you know, my YouTube is just Adam H Cole JD, and uh, I do have a video up there on how to talk about money during a crisis and during a pandemic. Awesome. With some tips there, Um, and yeah, I mean, I provide personalized coaching for couples. So you know, basically, you've got like the free content. I've got the Mm -hmm. workshop coming up and uh on just like financial basics and financial communication during a crisis and then uh there's the personalized coaching where i work with couples directly uh that you can always find and uh, set up a free consultation to see if it's the right fit and uh if you're interested i mean sure you could put in the show notes but i have a bitly link one of those shortened links so it's like bit.ly slash financial harmony consultation all lowercase and you can set up a chat with me
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Adam. You have provided us amazing information. Um, and guys check out his YouTube page and all, uh, his website as well. So thank you so much, Adam, for taking this time and spending time with me (laughs) to have this difficult conversation, but important conversation. Thank you. Indeed. Thanks for listening to the Beauteous Me Podcast. Please be sure to download new episodes every week and send us your girl what were you thinking or asking for a friends' stories to info at imbeauteousme.com. All entries remain anonymous. Also, don't, 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 don't forget to rate, review, and hit the subscribe button now.